Welcome to the Secret to My Success Show. Our guests will inspire, educate, and motivate our listeners who own a business or dream about being a business owner. Today's guests will share their stories and the secrets to their success. They have valuable insight with what they went through to start and grow their business. They will share the good, the bad, and the ugly. I promise it will be fun and valuable. Later in the show, former Major League Baseball player Luis Alaseo will be here talking to former celebrities and athletes about their transition from fame to being hands-on business owners. Good morning. This is Alan and Louie with Secret to My Success. Hello, hello. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Hope you enjoyed your extra hour of sleeping in as we are now at 8 a.m. on Saturday morning. We appreciate you being here. We actually have a wonderful guest today, a gentleman who actually had to redefine himself more than once in Major League Baseball, and we can get into that. Rick Ankiel, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, guys. How you doing? We're good. How are you, Louis? I'm great. I'm just happy uh, to be able to sit here and talk to uh, Rick today. I mean, uh, Rick, I have a lot of respect for you throughout the years. As a, not only as a player but as a person, what you have accomplished on the field and the way you've done it, it's it's really impressive and uh, it's really great for people to to know about it and, and for kids to really um, you know understand you know what you go through and, and how to come out of it. And I'm so happy to that you you know spend some some time with us today and uh, chat some about your company. I I appreciate it. Well, let's let's uh, let's jump in there. Where do you guys want to start? So let's start. You know, it's kind of unusual, the path that you took. We always say that most people don't take a hard left and say, I'm going to be a doctor or I'm going to be a lawyer. They kind of move around at a bunch of different places and land up somewhere. So you're unusual in the fact that you were a major league pitcher. How long did you pitch? Um, well, let's see. If you count professionally, I was a pitcher for about eight years. Okay. And then you had Tommy John surgery? Is that what it was? I had a Tommy John, and I went through something that uh, people call it the gift. They call it whiskey fingers. Um, there's a lot of names for it. But what happens is you basically lose your ability to do something you've always done. For me, the way that manifested itself was I lost my ability to throw strikes. And so as, you know, growing, being the top prospect, pitching prospect in all of baseball uh, and having a wonderful uh, first professional career, almost one rookie of the year, I was chosen to, to – start the first playoff game my team made the playoffs for the St. Louis Cardinals I was chosen to start that game and then you know everything went awry just couldn't throw strikes and and I battled that for geez you know four or five years before eventually figuring out I needed to do something else but um you know that's that that was my you know professional career basically as a pitcher but you took a turn a lot of people at that point would have walked from the game you said "Uh uh-uh I'm not ready to give it up and the natural came along (laughs) <laughs> you became an outfielder. I mean, the average guy just can't do that. You know, um, yeah, it, it's something that I'm really proud of. Um, Let me tell you something. You Stop know. for a minute. This guy is one of the best athletes that I've ever known. This guy is, uh, is one of the best athletes that I've ever seen. This guy is super athletic, so if anybody could do it, this guy could do it. And I get that, but you look at Major League Baseball, okay, and there's one guy out there now that's pitching – and playing in the outfield, he became an MVP. Well, it's guy, one guy. This guy could do it. And how many guys? Right, but how many guys play in Major League Baseball? Oh, that's a lot. You're right. It's a it's a freak of nature, and he's a freak. Exactly. So, <laughs> your buddy Rick is a freak of nature, and he transpired himself. I mean, seriously, the average guy would have swallowed his pride, walked away, done something else, and you said, "I'm going to start from zero again." 
to be a I don't want to say a great outfielder, but a, he was a above outfielder. average. But a host. Rick. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> I think for me, too, there was some unfinished business um, just in baseball in general. Um, my whole, and like a lot of young kids, you know, my whole childhood growing up, just watching the Braves, wanting to be a baseball player. And, and you know, ironically, it was one of the only things that I was really good at. I was a pretty goofy child. Um, baseball just, I gravitated, t- gravitated towards it, and I was, you know, I was pretty good at it. So it seemed like the harder I worked, um, the better results I started to get. In, and I just kept getting that. The harder, the more I put in, the harder I worked, the better I got at it. And, um, you know, once I decided to make that transition, and back then when I did that, you know, teams didn't really let guys do that. You never really heard of that. Um, but the opportunity came about. I'm so thankful that I was with the St. Louis Cardinals when that happened because they gave me that chance to go be an outfielder and make it back. Um, you know, at the time, I was dealing with the heaviness and the weight of going through this throwing issues where I couldn't throw strikes. One day I could, one day I couldn't. Um, all of a sudden, it's like you're looking at, or I was looking at, um, everything I'd ever dreamed of, a mansion and big boats and a house in the Bahamas. And all of a sudden, I go through that throwing issue, and it's taken away from me um, without explanation. There is no why. Nobody really has an answer for you. And then once I switched to, be, to, to go to the outfield, I, kind of, I was about 25 at the time. I kind of felt like, you know, I didn't go to college. I signed out of high school. So it was like, well, what else am I going to do here? You know, what, what is this going to look like? What else can I do? Am I going to be happy not being in baseball? It's the only thing I've ever known. Um, and then just the opportunity to try it. I felt like, you know what, why not give this thing a shot? Because I never want to look back and say, you know, shoulda, coulda, woulda, if I would have only tried. I knew I would regret that forever. We talk about that quite often on the show, that most people don't regret the things they do. They regret the things that they didn't do. So you make the switch. You're playing in the minor leagues as an outfielder. At any point, did you ever say, I'm just, I don't want to do this? Uh, there were some times that you struggle. Uh, you know, just as a hitter, trying to learn how to hit now, especially. I was a pretty good hitting pitcher, but now as a position player, you know, pitchers are really focusing on getting me out now. So instead of just grooving me fastballs, they're throwing me fastball, cutter, sinker, curveball, changeup. You know, they're, they're using everything in their arsenal to try to attack me to get me out. So there was some ups and downs in there where, you know, you start to question, am I going to be able to pull this off? And, you know, I, I think for me, um, I really got lucky in having a group of people around me that I trusted, that were positive, that supported me. Um, and when I had those times, you know, you make a quick phone call and it's like, hey, remember, trust the process. It's not just going to happen overnight. And, and that's what happened. I mean, I just kept going, kept going. Just, you know, things started to, to move in a positive direction. And I'm so thankful that I did it because I ended up playing eight more years as a center fielder in the big league. That's a pretty amazing story. And now? Now you're not playing with baseballs. You're playing in water. Could you tell yep. us about how this transition happened to your new business? First of all, your yeah, new business, so- before you, uh, your new business name is? Uh, I'll drive the Treasure Coast, so it's a water and mold restoration company. And I also, when I got done playing, 2013 was my last year playing. I took a year off, spent with the family. Uh, the next year, I ended up coaching with the Nationals. I was, a, I had a mentor role, which I enjoyed. Uh, but I'm kind of looking around, just looking at every you know option maybe that I had. So I started. I wanted to try TV, so I started announcing, and I went over to the Cardinals and did some pre and post, and then. Um, I'm still doing that now. So now I do color and I'll call games for the Cardinals. So I was doing that. And then COVID came in and baseball totally got shut down. Um, and at this time, you know, I'm the type of person that I know 
I'm just better with goals and stuff to do. And, you know, I want to, I want to feel like I have a goal each day. So I didn't want to just sit around, not do anything with baseball, not being played. So I had an opportunity to get into this water and mold restoration company. We, uh, I have a business partner and I, but a friend of ours, um, had started the first one and he was operating the all dry out of Jupiter, uh, for the last five or 10 years, whatever it was. And he was in a position where they wanted to start franchising. So, we started talking about it. It made perfect sense for me. This gave me a chance to learn something new, especially in the business world, just because I've been an athlete. I've always just worked for someone else. Tell me what time to get there. I show up. I do my work. I go home. So now this is a chance to, um, you know, be in and see the background of how business works um, and, and actually how to run a business. So, uh, once again, just glad that uh, my business partner, Jim McDavid, he has a successful business that he's had for, for 30 years, and he knew, understood all the back office stuff. So uh, we got together, business partners, and I've been doing that. I've been doing that ever since. Rick, what are the challenges in this new business you have? For me, especially as being a former athlete and having no business background whatsoever, um, I mean, when it's just from even like filling out your paperwork to, to get your licenses to do it, making sure you have all the licenses that come with that, um, dealing with the, the state, uh, dealing with government, um, all the paperwork I felt like were the biggest challenges to me because I've never done it. So I didn't understand um, really how tedious it can be, just the back and forth. And then, you know, I, baseball is so, uh, as you know, Louis, look, we play seven days a week. If you need a glove, it's shipped to you tomorrow, right? Everything just happens now. It doesn't matter if it's a Saturday or a Sunday. Where in business, I had to learn – you know, you call on someone, they say, well, I have an appointment maybe next week or the week after. And no, for me, I really had to learn to be patient just because I'm so used to being, I was like, what do you mean next week? Like, what about <laughs> right now, right? And you learn that people sure. have schedules and have, this is how they run successful businesses. And um, so I've learned a lot by being involved this way, for sure. So how many people do you have working for you now? Uh, we have about 16 working for me now. Tell me your challenges with employees. Hmm. Um, and I think right now it, with a lot of other businesses right now, it's hard to keep employees uh, with th everything that's happened with COVID and people are scared and, and for whatever reasons, um, you know, employees come and go. It doesn't seem like it was uh, 20 years ago where, you know, people had more pride in what they do or, or maybe, you know, I, I'm not sure really what it is, but the biggest challenge has been keeping employees uh, and in the business I'm in, there is some turnover. It's kind of like a construction business. If you look at it that way, where, you know, you do have turnover from time to time, but we've had some ex extraordinary turnover. And then we've had issues, too, with, with having plenty of work and not even being able to get enough people to go do the work. So that has definitely been uh, a big challenge. Tell us one of the worst stories that you've had as a business owner. Give us something that actually almost made you decide to run and go back to pitching. Uh, paperwork. I'm, I'm not an email <laughs> paperwork person. Uh -huh. Sitting behind the scenes and trying to do that all day over and over, I realized this isn't, one, what I'm good at, <laughs> what I need to be doing. We're not gaining anything by me doing this. We are um, so used to having general. people doing everything for us. That is ridiculous. When well, we got to do that kind, of, that kind of paperwork. Huh? <laughs> and I think, you know, and with my business partner, you know, that's something that he is good at. And we sat down and talked about that, and we had a good laugh. He's like, absolutely. You're, you know, your time is not spent better here. You know, it's going to be out there creating relationships, and that you know we had agreed upon that at early. But I wanted, so I tried to do it, and I learned quickly that's not for me. How I'd rather dig holes with a shovel than write on paper all day. Yeah, Rick, what's the process like? You walk into a place and it's full of mold. 
Uh, what's the process? Yeah. Well, let's say, okay, if there's mold, the way our, our business or this business works is there's actually a separate uh, company that comes in and tests to make sure it's mold. Um, they do that to protect the homeowner or the business owner because if not, any random company like mine could walk in and say, yeah, that's mold, and just start ripping walls down. Um, and if they get you to sign something, then all of a sudden you would owe them or the insurance would owe them. So we call a separate mold company that comes out and what they do is testing in general once they once uh, that testing comes back and let's say you have mold um, they also write out the protocol where it'll say we want you to remove three linear feet this way five feet linear feet that way uh, and then you go about doing the job um, and if it's water you know then that's more of an emergency a, t- a right now type of thing where we come in remove all the water start drying everything out um, trying to protect the, the customer's assets so there's kind of two different protocols, whether it's water or whether it's mold. Rick, have you ever gotten into a fight with an insurance company who says, no, just Clorox it, clean it up. There's nothing there. Um, maybe a little bit, but that, that, that testing company is there to protect anyone for that. More than not, it's really negotiating, um, you know, sometimes what insurances want to pay for or what they're trying to not pay for. I mean, really, that's what it comes down to. So there is a lot of negotiation um, on that side between between us, uh, the company like mine, and the insurance agent um, at the end of the job. Rick, how will people be able to reach you if they uh, want to get a hold of you? What's the easiest yeah, way? Um, you can get get a hold of me at rick.ankiel at myauthorite.com, or you can call the office at 772-888-2200. So let me ask you, public adjusters, tell me your thoughts. Honestly, like any business in the world, it depends what adjuster you're dealing with. I mean, that's just the way it is. Some people are easy to deal with. Some people make it hard. Um, and, you know, that goes both ways. So uh, it really depends who you run into. Okay. So I'm going to ask a question that's probably politically totally incorrect for you to give me an answer, but I figure I'm going to go for it. Tell me your thoughts on the Major League Baseball lockout. My thoughts are I just hope that they get a deal done. I understand that both sides see some – Issues that they may want to go in a different direction, one direction, way, one way or the other. The lockout, as far as right now, I'm not concerned with where we are as far as being in December. Well, where I would get concerned is is once we start to get closer to spring training and there's not a deal done or and or we get into where spring training should be being played and they're going back and forth on the bargaining table. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I just feel like, from what I've heard from most people, the sense is, is that they feel like a deal is going to get done, and I hope that's, and I hope that's what happens. As a former National League pitcher, what's your thoughts on the National League changing over to the DH? I don't like it at all. Um, the reason I don't like it is because, you know, there's a lot, there's a, there's a bigger chess match that happens in the National League, from the double switch to who you use in the bullpen, um, in those type of things. Also, I feel like always, you know, I was a good hitting pitcher. If pitchers won't go behind the scenes and they work at it, I mean, a base hit here or there can win them a game and win their team, you know, quite possibly a chance into the playoffs or the World Series. Um, so I've played in the National League most of my life. I just like that chess match. In the American League, it's like you roll out your lineup, and it is what it is. It's not changing, right? Those guys are pretty much in there for the entire game. Uh, so I like I just like the more of that chess game matchup of the National League. Yeah, I think the game the game itself is is really boring to watch. If it become if it becomes a 
like an American League. I mean, watching the lineups not changing, uh, building your team with a really good bench and things like that. Um, have you heard anything about, or what are your thoughts and what's going on social media about the different type of baseballs are being used? Uh, I don't know yeah, um, I'm not sure. I will say over the last few years, there's been, you know, when I watch some guys, uh, some of the smaller guys, when I watch the distance of how far they're hitting the ball the opposite way, and I know what I could do in that stadium or guys that I play with, maybe Mark McGuire watching him take BP, when you see how far balls are going, to me it seems like there had to be some sort of a difference because it just doesn't seem like that would be anywhere possible um, with the same balls I know in the air that I play. But everything changes. Uh, it is what it is. I'm not, you know, I haven't really been digging in too much to the, to the different balls being uh, here recently, but you know, more than anything, man, I just want to. I just hope that that the game that they figure out the CBA and we have a, a, a you know a successful baseball season this coming season and the future. So I had read that uh, Theo Epstein was experimenting in one of the minor leagues that uh, as long as you had your starting pitcher in, you could have the DH. But the second you pulled your starting pitcher, you lost the DH. Have you heard of anything like this? No, I didn't see. I haven't seen that. Um, but that would, you know, that would be interesting. I'd like to sit down and, and put some more time and thinking to what that would look like. Um, but you know, could be interesting. Game alone, it's it's boring to watch baseball now, man. It's it's not the same anymore. I mean, it's you know, no no double play breaking, no collision or home play. Uh, Tie ball game, uh, lane Ex- game. Extra I mean, innings, just, just a guy starting at second. On. Doesn't that feel like team that's ball? Just, that's just not not the way I know Rick played and, and I played. So, Rick, thoughts on that? Extra inning games, you start with a runner on second base. Well, now that I'm in media and I call games, I love it because the game <laughs> might end a lot sooner than it would have. <laughs> yes, exactly. I remember playing a 21-inning game in St. Louis against the Braves, and I went 0 for 8. That was not a good night for me. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that, well, see, that's a hard one. Um, but you know what? You know what rule I, I, that I heard tossed around that I, I don't – I would like to see just like a minor league season or a few games played like this where – if you're up to bat, at any time there's a wild pitch, you can run to first. So basically you can steal first. And I think when you look at our game, how long the games have become, um, and guys are trying to throw as hard as they can. So sometimes they're throwing the nastiest breaking pitches they can, and balls are going all over. I don't know. I think that could be interesting and, and possibly speed up the game because you might have guys trying to keep the ball a little bit more around the strike zone and not just unleashing balls because the guy at the plate can just run to first. So now you got to run around first you got to wonder how they'd record that as a stolen base. That would be pretty interesting. And the other thing is, how do you track it against the pitcher when a guy lands up on first? Sure. A, a I mean, I think pitch. those things have to be worked out. But I'd just be interested to see what happens, you know, for like a month if I watched it. And, and But anyway, you know, it's this or that. Rick, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Is there anything else you want to say as I've rudely interrupted your business? Let's talk about All Dry one more time. What separates you from everybody else in the local marketplace? Uh, well, I think integrity. Um, you know, obviously, we're just try- we want to be number one in customer service and make sure that the customers get um, what they need and and getting the right job done. Again, Here's- how can people reach you? <laughs> um, Rick Ankill at myalldry.com or seven seven two eight 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 twenty two hundred is the office. Rick, I wish you the best, the best of luck. Uh, if anybody can do it, 
you can do it, man. You've done it, and a lot of respect, brother. We can't thank you enough for being here with us, Rick. Appreciate it. I know you're a busy guy, but you took some time, and Louis was pretty good about this. I thought Louis was going to kind of go in with some dirt, nothing. No, he's, he's I, like, I love this guy. This guy's awesome. That's great. Rick, before we let you go, is there anything you want to tell us about Louis that we don't know? Uh, no. no. Unbelievable. He's an unbelievable. No, I don't no, think people you, give him enough credit for how good he was. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm looking for dirt. When he <laughs> was no in, dirt. There's got to be some there's dirt. There's no dirt. I, I Come on, clean. Rick. you got to have something for me. I stay clean. I'm not that guy, man. I don't have any, man. Everything I know about Louie is awesome. So. I agree. We love working with Louie. It's a good thing. Take care, everybody. Right, well, thanks, guys. I appreciate it. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. Right, bye-bye. My name is Tom Reed, and I am the Managing General Partner at WGP Insurance Services in Lake Worth, Florida. What I do is help you as a business owner have the proper protection for your business at a competitive price. We will take time to review your business plan. We will definitely listen to your concerns. We want to help you grow. There's only two things that will happen by letting Tom review your policy. One, he's going to tell you that you have perfect coverage. Or two, he's going to save you lots of money and get you the correct coverage that you need. Give Tom a call. Please call me at 561-953-2007, extension 105. I'd love to hear from you. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Good morning. This is Alan. Secret to my success. I'm here with... Dawn. Good morning. I figured I'd go Dawn before Louie this time. Louie! Hey, hello, hello. How are you? Good morning, guys. Good morning. Thank you for being here. We have another wonderful guest who's going to tell us their insight and information of what they did and where they are now. As we always talk about, most people don't take that hard left turn. I'm going to be a doctor. I'm going to be a lawyer. They land up in a bunch of different places. But we actually have with us the infamous... The fabulous Craig Wolf. Craig. Infamous and fabulous, not usually used in the same sentence, but I'll take it. <laughs> so but both both true in many ways. Well, you were this hot shot T V personality over in the west coast of Florida. Well, I was a TV personality. Some people in my family thought it, I was a hot shot. Um, but you know, I I climbed up the ladder a, a bit in my business. Well, first of all, my my number one goal in, in my life growing up in St. Louis was to play shortstop for the St. Louis Cardinals because I'm a 
lifelong Cardinal fan, grew up in St. Louis. My dad was a men's clothier and had some stores downtown, and a lot of the ballplayers used to shop there, which is a thrill for me. So this is a thrill for me also to be on the phone, not with Alan and Dawn, but also with Louis Alisea. So it's great to join you all. Correct. Um, what happened to your dream? There was a guy named Ozzy Smith who was kind of like in the middle of it? or Yeah, and, I, and Ozzy, I actually had the pleasure of meeting him a couple of times. We were like the exact same age. So, yeah, I'll, that, that, I'll use that. That, that's my excuse. Ozzy's third in the way. But Ozzy's an awesome guy, though. Aren't you like two feet taller than Ozzy? I am much taller than Ozzy. A friend of mine, actually, the first time I met him, a good friend of mine is a comedian, a pretty well-known guy who plays in this uh, American Century Classic golf tournament in Lake Tahoe. It's like the best celebrity golf tournament. You know, they televise it on NBC, and there's, there's prize money. Yes, all, um, you know, one um, of the pitchers for uh, the Oakland A's uh, wins it every year. Yeah, Mark Mulder. Mark Mulder, right? he wins it yeah. every year. Makes so good money on it. Yeah, I got stuck in the airport in Reno trying to get out of the Lake Tahoe area, and I saw Ozzy Smith at my gate because he had played in the tournament. So I um, generated the gumption to go over and introduce myself to him, and that was a thrill. But anyway, it's great. I'm, I'm really happy to, to be part of this. Uh, this show, because when you explained it to me, Alan, I do kind of, I think I fit well into the, you know, the theme of your show. I did spend 18 years here uh, anchoring the the news on the local uh, NBC affiliate and got to the, as far as I could go there as the primary anchor. And I, I, it was actually a, a third career for me just to get to the TV news business. I didn't get into it until I was almost 34 years old. I had been a trader in, in, on Wall Street when I worked in my family business for a while. So I really had to reinvent myself a couple of times. But the way I had to do it coming out of the TV news business was the most important and, and the most challenging. So how did you transition from your previous careers to getting on TV? I mean, you're a good-looking guy, you're tall, you speak well, probably great attributes for somebody who's going to do what you did. But how did you um, jump? Well, a couple of those are right. I am tall. Um, <laughs> you know, when it came time to make, first of all, I had a, and I, I don't want to get into it too much, I had a very public um, departure from my television station here. As my dad used to say, I went from the penthouse to the outhouse in like one day. And that's, you know, the details aren't important. But uh, whatever um, degree of, of recognition, recognizability I had in this market was even made more so because my departure was kind of public. We had a dispute over working conditions. And there's nothing that the other local media likes more than being able to report on you know, the problems that another uh, station or, or, you know, um, media outlet is having. So, so you know, I had some – people knew me. So I had to try to figure out how to monetize that. And um, I thought about leaving town because I had some opportunities to work in TV news and other markets, which I would have had to have done because I had a non-compete in my contract. And that non-compete included um, not being able to work for a year in this market, no matter what happened to me. You know, if I quit, if I my contract expired, if I was fired, whatever. But I kind of soured on the business, so I, I just had to make a determination. You know, how how can I 
you know, I have a family, so how can I make some money and have a, you know, a fourth career at age 50, uh, what was I, 56 at the time? And I decided to become a realtor. I thought that uh, getting a real estate license would put some of my skills to work. And because, you know, I think the most important one if you're in the real estate business is your communication skills. So I had some good ones, you know, mainly because I had just been in electronic media for 25 years. So I got some counsel from some friends of mine and some family members. And um, I decided to get my license, and I thought, this is going to be great. And, you know, I thought, boom, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shoot to the moon right away. Nice. And I didn't. It doesn't work like that. <laughs> because I thought when I moved to Florida, they said, you get a driver's license and you get a real estate license. They come together. It's like a package. Yeah. <laughs> the, only, the only detriment that they throw out there is they... They make the, the, the test hard to pass the first time around. That's what I was going to ask. How many times did you take the test? <laughs> I passed it on the first, first time, time, which was mm, very good. Which was which was good for a fifty-six-year-old brain, but I did I studied hard because I would have been embarrassed if anybody found out that I, you know, but just could have been a successful journalist and then couldn't pass the real. Don, how many times did you have to take the test? But story is way too long to get into right it's now. It's just a number. <laughs> <laughs> More than is a few it, is times. It, is it single digits? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's definitely single di- digits, but I took it a few times. How many times did you take it sober? <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, next. Louie. Well, you know what they do on that exam? Those exams are designed to to keep you out of jail. <laughs> Two thirds of the test is on is on ethics and the law. Oh, yeah. if, you, if you can pass that, they figure, okay, we'll give this guy a license because he's, you know, knows what he can't do, you know, as a realtor. Greg, I got to ask you, um, there's a lot of people that have done, are doing real estate. I mean, I actually was one of those guys that was contemplating this year to kind of doing what you're doing. And then I decided, you know what? There's a lot of competition on that. There's a lot of people doing the same thing. What makes you different? Well, you 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 got ahead of me, Derek, because that was exactly maybe it's our Cardinals, you know, brotherhood. But that's exactly what I was going to mention next. Is you know, so I get my license. I'm a local celebrity, and trust me, I'm not blowing my own horn here because I have no great sense of my own self worth. But you know, you you do this for 18 years and. The same market. I mean, you can be standing under an overpass, you know, the same day, the same time every day for 18 years, and people want to know who you are. So I thought, okay, this is going to work. I'm going to go straight up to Mount Everest as a realtor. Well, I found out that just because people liked you and watched you on the news, and I think about half the news viewers here watched me because we were in a dogfight with the CBS affiliate, and we each split the audience. That's, you know, there's a good amount of people that enjoyed my, you know, my presence on in their living rooms and bedrooms that they're going to want to work with me. Well, that's not true because right after I got my license, I got like 10 phone calls from people locally who were, who were preemptively telling me that they're not going to be able to work with me. My co-anchor at NBC, some really good friends of mine. They came out right away and said, I'm going to get out ahead of this. I'm not going to be able to work with you because my sister's a realtor. My cousin's a realtor. My ex-husband's a realtor. My best friend's a realtor. So I found out that it, it was going to be a slog 
you know, and I wasn't going to snap my fingers and all of a sudden get a bunch of business just because I was a, you know, local TV, you know, talking hair dude for 18 years. So I had, a, you know, it took me some time to build my business. How'd you do it? Um, well, I did try to leverage my, you know, my recognizability. I mean, it did help to a certain degree, but I had a mentor who helped me a lot when I first got my license uh, locally. And I don't know, Louis, did you, did you actually get a license, real estate license? No, no, I didn't get that far because I, I, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to do it. It's just, just a lot. However, there is a niche. I mean, I was talking to a friend of mine, and he specializes on uh, pro athletes only. And the niche was, is in Dallas, so you got the Cowboys, you got the Rangers, you got the Mavericks, and you got the hockey team. So his offices were at the baseball stadium. So anybody that came in from sports had to go see this guy, whether he rent, found a place for rent, whether he found him a car, whether he found him a home. So he basically did. He started doing everything for all the four different uh, athletes, and that was his niche. And he's doing extremely, extremely well doing that. And he, I mean, obviously he gets through, you know, normal customer, but his niche was like the athletes, you know, NBA, NFL, everybody that come through the door was. And if you look at his offices, you know, he sold houses to every single one of those guys, or 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 rented it. Yeah, I mean, that, that it's funny you said that because. And I'll just briefly mention this. I talked to Alan because it's very polarizing. But for a while, the Trump Organization opened up an office in Naples. And I joined them at the behead, the suggestion of a, a woman who was sort of my mentor at the time. And when I joined them, I was only with them for a couple of years. When the former president decided to run for president and was saying a lot of stuff that was polarizing, I, I left. But I was trying to get some business, Louis, from the local... Um, uh, the former pro athletes that live in Southwest Florida, because there's a bunch of them. You know, Larry Bird lives here, and Bert Blylevin lives here, and uh, there's a bunch of guys. Bill Lee, you know, the spaceman from the Montreal Expos. Mm -hmm. But what I what I did do, I, I did end up being able to. The funny thing was, almost all the business I've gotten, I've had my license for I think nine years. Almost all the business I've gotten ended up being. Um, from referrals from people that I got to know, not as a, as a TV newsman, but that I that I just met after I left TV news and clicked with and became friendly with. Uh, so it was kind of ironic that I was able to build my business a little bit, but I had to do it organically um, and didn't really get much business at all from the people who knew me from the news business. They were just from people that just knew me as me that I actually had met after I left. So um, it was a much harder slog than I thought. And But but the real reason for that, I think, is the, as Louie mentioned, is the fact that there are like 900 million realtors in Florida. It's everyone very has. competitive. 900 million in Florida? I thought that was just on the West Coast. Yeah. <laughs> and everyone, like, the, the, a lot of people hold their license, but they're not practicing or they're mm -hmm. doing it part-time. Yeah. That's, that's the thing. A lot but, of them part-timers. Yeah. Everybody knows at least 10 real estate agents, friends, family, like he was saying. Yep. So I went yeah. to go sell my house, and I was going to go with one of the teachers of one of my kids in school. And he says, yeah, I just transitioned. You should do this. You should do this. I said, look, it's between you and another guy. I'm trying to figure out what I want to do. And uh, the other guy 
came in and this guy, you know, we could list it for more. You'll make more money, blah, blah, blah. He's going on and on. It's okay. And another guy came in and says, wow, it's funny. I'm looking at your buddy here that you're thinking about using. He hasn't sold one house. He hasn't sold one single house. I've sold 75 homes in your local area. I've been selling them in three days. So if you want to go with your guy and you want to help him because he actually really needs a contract under his belt, you should go with him. And there's rebuttals to that, too. I don't know. Where did you start at? Like, what was your first broker that you worked with? Um, there's a really interesting family. They're, 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 they're blue-collared billionaires from Ohio. They own R&L Trucking Company, okay. freight company. And they took over this market about 15 years ago. It's Royal Shell Real Estate. It's a local company, but they've expanded into North Carolina. And that's where I met this mentor of mine who... You know, we subtly stuck the whole TV news thing into my business card and a little slogan that they had for me and on his website. Yeah. But I jumped around a lot. So they, they I, had know, good training for you and stuff? Like he was just saying, uh, you know, the experienced real estate agent. So I started, because I had my license. I, I still have it, but I don't practice anymore. But I went to Keller Williams, and they had really good training. So no matter what somebody threw at you, like at, at someone new starting out, well, the rebuttal to what Alan just said is, you know, I'm new, motivated, and hot. You know, you have this agent. Sure, he sold a bunch of places, but, you know, he thinks he knows it all. He's not out there. He's not hungry, you know? So I went with that guy. He sold my house in two days <laughs> for my asking price. <laughs> and he charged me 1.5% on the seller side. Well, that's why. Crazy. And the deal was if you paid for the pictures up front, He'd huh. give you the five hundred dollars for give the pictures back. at closing. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of discount and cut rate cut rate brokers that are making it difficult. Even um, even Zillow, for example, is getting into the brokerage business because they want to mm-hmm. they really want to take over everything, and that's having an effect on on especially the part time realtors. So I'm a member of the Naples Area Board of Realtors because I work primarily in Naples, and I'm fortunate to work in the high end, so I don't. I need to bang out a million transactions a year, you know, to make mm-hmm. a decent living. But I think something like 20 or 30% of the Naples realtors are, are part-time. I got a call uh, less than a year ago from the guy who was the morning anchor at my station. And he had been getting up at, you know, 3 in the morning for 15 years because I worked that shift also. Yeah. And he wanted to also get out and monetize his, Fame, for lack of a better word, you know, and this this is a medium-sized market, so it's kind of the so it's like AAA, Louis here on this coast. It's not the major leagues. And he said, you know, what can you tell me? And I said the same thing I just told you all. That just because people like you on television does not mean they're going to want to work with you, uh, you know, as a realtor. So be ready for that. And he went ahead and did it anyway. And I, you know, I'm not sure how he's doing, but. That's a challenge that, 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 that I'm sure he faced like, like, like I faced. But I'm glad I did it. You know, I, I, I do it full Hold on, time. hold on. It's just one second. Before you tell us how glad you are, let me hear a horror story. Well, I would say, like, what are your biggest challenges? No, no, having, no. I don't want to go challenges yet. Having done yet. the I, no, business no, no. and being in the business. I don't, like, I don't, I don't want to hear challenges you know? yet. I want to hear a horror story. Give me a, a real lot. estate horror story. One, without mentioning their name. Let me yeah. hear it. Okay. I was a party with a bunch of other agents to a very in at Rochelle to a very large sale on Captiva Island, which is a barrier island here. Uh, 
like south of Sarasota, north of Naples. It's uh, there are nine hundred inhabitants. The real estate is off the charts, and I think it was the the, the transaction price was fifteen million dollars, and it was a two and a half percent commission. Hold, hold on one second. Don's getting excited. <laughs> fifteen. It was, two, it was a two and a half percent commission, which is pretty crazy because something like that right now would probably be two percent to each side. So it was two and a half percent to our side on fifteen million, which is you know what four hundred thousand dollars. And there were like three or four of us that were going to split it, and we got it under contract at full price. It was uh, a, a family that owned a company that made like the most famous video game of all time, and are one of them. And they're from the Midwest, and everything was great. Well, as I'm sure Don knows, you, you've got to, you know, when, when there's furnishings or accessories or things involved that are going to change hands and others that aren't, you have to really specify them in the contract. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this, this table has a lot of meaning to us. My great-grandfather, you know, had it, so it doesn't go with everything else. This whole closing... This whole transaction blew up and was delayed for a year by a wooden bowl. That's painful. That's so painful. Can you just disappear, that (laughs) thing? Why didn't you just whittle another one? (laughs) No, this one couldn't be whittled. This this one, it went back to, like, pre-revolutionary war times. And supposedly it had been owned by one of the founding, whatever. I, I don't really remember. All I know is my hundred thousand. With a year, so yeah. you did not make money for at least what over a year. I didn't make any money did it because close? because, it because I left during that time. I left that money on the table because I wanted to move to a different broker. Where it ended up being worth it because I did much better with this brokerage. But the, the, the worst horror stories are usually uh, related to people, unfortunately, so, whether they're buyers or sellers. It brings out the absolute worst in people. Yeah, It's like divorce, death, and, and oh. you know, buying a house are the three worst things in life. It's, it's almost always some horrific human being <laughs> that, um, that you're having to deal with. Any haunted houses? Life. Any haunted houses? Uh, yes. Absolutely. There was well, there was a house that um, in which there had been a death, hmm. and Florida is one of those states where you do not ha- do not have to disclose right. it. I think there's only three states in the country where you have to disclose it. But you know, we're, we were pretty ethical, so we went and told them that there had been a suicide in this home, and um, the people went ahead and had purchased it. But we always joked about you know going forward. I kept in touch with them, but. Um, Tell you that it was that it was haunted. I, I'm surprised there's not more funny books that have been, been written by by realtors because it does That's bring out um, <laughs> it brings out the awfulness in people. It brings out the joy in people. It, it, you know, it, it brings out the happiness, and you really learn. You become your clients, you know, psycho- psychologists in a lot of ways, and friends, and right. So, I have a, what, yeah. what's the biggest misconception of like say people may have. So you went and got your license, now you're practicing. What was your biggest misconception of being in the business? Oh, I'm working in Florida. This is the hottest market around. I know people. I know, you know, I passed this test. It's not really brain surgery. You learn as you go. You know, you fake it till you make it. 
thanks to thanks to the internet and Google, you know, somebody asks you a question, you client, you don't know the answer. You say I'll get back to you, and you hang up on them and Google the, get the answer and call them back in 15 minutes, and you've got the answer. So with all, all of those, you know, the hot market, the, the advent of technology, my own standing in the community. Um, you know, I thought it was going to be. Uh, thought it was going to be a breeze. Be amazing, like, and it, super... it took me five years. Yeah, it took me five years. I wanted to make six figures, and then I wanted to, you know, make well into six figures, and that didn't happen for for a while. You know, it didn't happen until I got into the high end, and now because I work in Naples, and because the market is so hot, and most of my clients are a million dollar plus, you know, market or, or a little bit more than that. Um, that's made it easier. But, yeah, the misconception is just because you work in Florida as a realtor and everybody wants to move here because of the weather and play golf, you know, barefoot in January. Mm-hmm. There's no state income tax. Uh, there's water. All these retiring baby boomers are coming here, and now, you know, millennials are coming here. It's just the competition is so fierce no matter who you are that you got to be a go-getter. You know, if you, wanna, if you, you really have to be a go-getter. You have to go to work every day. You know, you, you can't uh, say, oh, I'm going to stay home for the next three days because all I'm doing is, uh, you know, addressing Christmas cards to my clients, which I'm doing today. Yeah. Um, but you got to go to work. Obviously, that's changed with COVID over the last couple of years. But the best thing I learned was show up, treat it as a full-time actual job, despite the flexibility, and despite the fact that if you have a laptop and an Internet connection, you know, you've got an office wherever you are. It really helps to go to work every day, make phone calls, do all the drudgery that that you got to do, and eventually you get to the point where, you know, you might be getting only referral business, and that's kind of a goal for a lot of realtors, and they don't have to go out and get it because it comes to them. Well, Craig, we're running out of time, so let's talk about your business. No! How does somebody reach you? How does somebody call you and say, I've got a $15 million property on the island, and I want you to list it? Well, I'm with... um, my this is my was my last move when I left. Um, I was with the Sotheby's franchise here for a long time. You know the big auction house in England. They have, they do real estate. But right now I'm with Premier Plus, uh, which is headquartered in Naples. Local family that owns it. We got a ton of agents. Great company. My email address is I've made it simple, so there's no initials or PPR for Premier Plus. It's Craig Wolf Real Estate at gmail.com. Say that one more time. Craig, C-R-A-I-G, wolf like the animal, real estate, at gmail. So does that make you the wolf of real estate, not the wolf of Wall Street? People ask me that all the time, and the hilarious thing is I did work on Wall Street. (laughs) And and I did work on Wall Street at the exact time that that movie um, portrays Wall Street. And it was very accurate, because that was the sex, drugs, and rock and roll you know, period on Wall Street. Yeah, no, I'm a wolf of Naples. Although I I could probably, I could probably look it up. There's probably 10 people named Wolf who have the real estate licenses because there are so many damn realtors. Well, Craig, we are so happy that you joined us. Happy to hear your story. We're really glad that you've become successful in your fourth career. And thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Tom Reed, and I am the Managing General Partner at WGP Insurance Services in Lake Worth, Florida. What I do is help you as a business owner have the proper protection for your business at a competitive price. 
We will take time to review your business plan. We will definitely listen to your concerns. We want to help you grow. There's only two things that will happen by letting Tom review your policy. One, he's going to tell you that you have perfect coverage. Or two, he's going to save you lots of money and get you the correct coverage that you need. Give Tom a call. Please call me at 561-953-2007, extension 105. I'd love to hear from you. When it comes to health coverage, you want solid value from a trustworthy company you can rely on. Florida Blue offers Medicare Advantage plans that can help you get more out of your health coverage. And don't you want more? Call Apple Insurance, your local agency for Florida Blue, at 888-MY-BLUE-8 to have all your Medicare questions answered and learn about different options. Don't settle for less than the value and stability Florida Blue has delivered throughout the state of Florida to Medicare beneficiaries for more than 25 years. Value, security, knowledge, and trust. Blue Medicare from Florida Blue means more. Call Apple Insurance at 888-MY-BLUE-8 today to speak to a licensed agent about your Medicare Advantage options. That's 888-MY-BLUE-8. Apple Insurance and Florida Blue. Call 888-MY-BLUE-8 today. Florida Blue is an independent license of the Blue Cross and Blue Shield Association. Thanks for listening to The Secret to My Success on Legends 100.3. Tune in next week for more from Alan, George Lewis, and their spectacular guests. Find The Secret to Your Success.